everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks. And this is a segment for So Here's What Happened as my coverage for this year's 2021 Fantasia Film Festival. And my first film for the festival actually is Baby Don't Cry, which is what we will be discussing today. And I have my my guest um, for the film. So I have producer Chiyu Zhao. Hi. Hi. Then lead actor um, Vas Provatakis. Hello. Producer uh, Jelen Zhao. Hello. And writer and creator and lead actress in the film, Zita Bai. Hi, guys. Bye. So I'm going to go into order that you guys appear on my screen. So I'll go with um, Zita first. Can you just introduce yourselves? And then it will be Zeron, Vas, and Kiyu. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is Zita Bai. I'm the writer, creator, and lead actress in feature film Baby Don't Cry. And very excited to be here. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Zeron Zhao. I'm the producer of the film Baby Don't Cry. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, my name is Vos Pervitakis. Uh, I am an actor in Baby Don't Cry, and I play Fox. And I'm very happy to be here. Hello, everyone. My name is Qiyu. I'm the producer and creative producer of Baby Don't Cry. Glad to having uh, this time sharing our movie with you. Thank you so much for talking with me. So my first question has um, is going to be for Zita. So can you just talk a bit about your conception for this film and when the idea for it um, first came to you? Because I think the film is to me kind of like a bit realistic and it also has a bit of fantasy um, genre to it. So could you just tell me a bit about you, how you came up with the concept for the film? I feel like the fantasy is coming from, you know, um, as we were growing up, um, we're go- like going through a lot of uh, coming of age and changing def- like defining moments in our life. And uh, at the time we didn't quite understood what we were going through. And I guess, you know, fantasy and experimental just helped me to like analyze, you know, like what I was processing at the time. And also sometimes, you know, I feel like as a teenager and what we see is different than how things actually happen. Like we fabricate truth in our head is like later, like when we are in our 20s, we realize, you know, did that really happen or that's just how I felt at the moment? Mm. Yeah, Mm. I got the sense of there were moments, I think, especially the scenes that take place at home where Mm. I feel like 50% of what we see isn't reality. A lot of it comes from, um, a lot of it is her own um, imagination or her or what she wishes her home life could be, or maybe even what she wishes it wasn't, because a lot of like, no, so good things happen. And I just thought it was interesting. I'm just like, the the young mind in particular is very, um, I think like we're able to conceptualize a lot of things as teenagers, as, especially, and especially when we find ourselves in tough spots. So I found it interesting the way a uh, baby kind of like moves through, through life. And um, especially and her relationship with Fox. So, um, so Vas, can you j- talk a bit about, about what was your first impression of him when you read the script? Because I'm always interested with um, performers when they read the script, what's like how they, like you say you want to play the role, but then if there's something about the character, you're, you're, you're like kind of hesitant and you're like not too sure about the character, but that you say, okay, despite how I feel about this, I as a performer have to get outside my own personal feelings and then just play the character that's written for me. Yeah, well, I, I think he always he always felt like um, emotionally like volatile. That was just kind of like what jumped off the page at first. Like the auditions that they had uh, Zita and I do, it was like um, 
you know, it, it was like, I think one of them was uh, the fight scene, like the argument that they have, you know, uh, about halfway through the film. And, uh, you know, they, they actually, they allowed me to, to kind of go free and riff and, and stuff. And, you know, and I feel like uh, what they were looking for was just someone who, you know, a, a young man who just didn't know um, how to handle himself because, you know, he, for whatever reason, didn't understand how to like respect people. He didn't, you know, have the, the cultural, ex cultural exposure or exposure, excuse me, to be able to understand uh, what she might be going through. So he's, you know, he's just completely in his own, in his own world. And, you know, he's, he just, uh, I, I think by, you know, the, the journey that he ends up going through is, you know, he learns how to sort of remove himself and think for other people, like, like think, uh, learn to, to, to kind of be, be more, be there for others as opposed to just there for himself, you know? And I think that's a very, it's a very important lesson for him. Very well said. I feel like the story in the end is about growing up and the uh, story is about like two kids from like broken families and didn't have a lot of a love and support growing up. So they didn't quite under, like stood, you know, what's the correct way to love someone. And uh, in the end, you know, the characters found that, courage to help each other grow out of it yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that was very precious mm -hmm. yeah um so for uh zara and Hugh, can you talk a bit about how both of you became involved in the project and what was it about the project that caught your interest and made you want to work with this film yeah first of all we started with the story because zida and i uh, know each other because well she's a writer and i, I, I i'm a director and if she was a at the beginning, she was more about asking for notes on, hey, take a look at the, the script that I wrote. And I read it. I was like super surprised and really like we had a really long conversation over the phone for so many nights and days. And eventually, uh, like after a few months back and forth conversations like this, and we just I like she because she was looking for someone she can really trust to produce the film to kind of, um, you know, protect this baby and to make sure it's it, it can grow up healthily and so I just said okay regardless what my profession is I would want to make this movie come true with you let's just do it so I jump on board as a as a producer it was uh, because of uh, how brilliant the script is and also how um, in how just just Zida and her personality really really encouraged and influenced me like made me want to do this film with her mm. Yeah, we were actually having all the passions in the world to gather around all the people we have into this film. Well, I was jumping into the uh, this project. Uh, they already taking this script for a year to finish it, actually finish it. And uh, while I was jumping in, they already started to ready to make this film as uh, all the uh, scripts sizing done so um, after uh, this script size we are trying to make this film finished so we have to controlling our budget we have to calling our crews we have to figure out all the uh, plans uh, either we're shooting in LA or or we're shooting in Seattle or something like that and um, that's something that um, bring all us together for the next adventure. 
And you mentioned the location. So I wanted to ask, um, why Seattle? What was it about the location that you chose that worked for this story and um, and for the film in particular? Because um, I've never been to Seattle, but from what I've seen on TV and <laughs> from people that I know, like Seattle is very wet. Like it rains like a lot. I would say almost it's like the British side of um, of, of North America. Um, so I kind of saw like the dreariness kind of like reflected, kind of like an environmental reflection of the storyline because it is a very kind of sort of depressing story and i kind of saw the environment kind of like matching that so um could you just tell me a bit about selecting the city and then where you, this the town or wherever it is you you filmed uh zeta goes first all right because yeah. <laughs> it's really related to her yeah. okay. the story is like very true to like how i was growing up in seattle i was born raised in china i moved to seattle as a young teen and i just feel like you know, growing up in a super industrial city, had no family, no friends. And <laughs> I know it sounds really sad, but- yeah, I'm an immigrant too, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, where, where are you from? I'm from Barbados. Oh, wow. Power to all the immigrants. <laughs> yeah, so um, I feel like, you know, when I initially wrote the story, I was very insistent on going back to my roots, going back to the city, where I first immigrated to. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of my personalities and, uh, you know, who I am is shaped by Seattle. And I wanted to dedicate this film to the city that gave me so much. And also, I just feel like, as you mentioned, the rainy, you know, grungy uh, element of the city can be a really interesting backdrop for a, you know, coming of age story where a girl is trying the hardest to find who she is. Mm. Yeah, mm. just imagine if this movie shooting in LA is sunny all day. Yeah. It's just not fitting yeah. the film. <laughs> happy fox and happy baby. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like more than like everything is super hot. I'm depressed and I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we we add that material into the film because baby wants to go to LA to be a filmmaker. That's something that she always dream of. And that's in that sunny day, she finally made this film that's that's made her reminds her old days. That that's something into our film. Very, very true. I think the story is about a journey of an immigrant growing out of her, you know, cutting off her ties and growing out of her old self and in order to be a like independent, strong woman. And I just feel like we wanted to capture where she was and where she ended up. With regards to the aspect of being an immigrant, I found maybe I maybe I was reading it wrong, but to me, I I thought it was kind of interesting that there aren't really like clear cut references to her Chinese um, heritage. The one thing that I kept focusing on um, was like when um, the baby wears the white dress with the red and gold bow. And then her mom having the the pig's ears. I'm like, maybe that's a, a reference to um, you know, to the Chinese zodiac, and and like you know, in, in mythology. But I was looking for other things. Like for me, like I have a I have a flag of Barb a Barbadian flag in my living room. But then I really don't have that much things referencing Barbados beyond like my sister and I speaking in our own dialect and accent at home and like small little um things. But then I thought it was interesting that we don't really get like a a like big symbol of of babies um heritage mm. i found that's a rather bold idea and zida and our director jesse made together to having mommy's year um mm. as a piggy year because uh, 
it was because uh, like going back to going back to the movies more um, half real half fantasized it's more like how she feels exactly. when mommy giving her that pressure and like how mother was in her eyes mm-hmm. when she was in a certain situations and if you're uh, careful enough when, when you're watching the film you'll notice that the pig ear isn't in everything and it's yeah. it's there sometimes especially when she's oppressed the most yeah we was trying to uh, make our audience sing um, so what is real what is unreal to her and this actually shows the, uh, her fantasy into this film with something like having the ear or having fox or some animation that's mm-hmm. girl's fantasy yeah that's yeah that's throughout our film talking about like what's real what's not real i think what's important is like how she feels mm-hmm. because a lot of times there's different between what's truly happening and what we're truly feeling and I think the fantasy part really enhanced, you know, baby's perspective, you know, how she sees the world. Because, you know, talking about my background, you know, when I first moved to the States, I didn't speak English. And maybe whatever I was seeing, whatever I was feeling is not what's actually happening because I had to fabricate the truth in my head and I had to comprehend the truth in my way in order to understand my situation. Right, because um, there are some scenes with um, Baby and some other girls at her school. And one thing that I find, like, especially if you're going to talk about the immigrant experience, is that we become disillusioned of what, our, of what we think being an immigrant in North America will be. I'm in Toronto, but, um, but I, think it's, I think it would have qualified a lot across um, North America in particular, where we have, where, you know, like growing up, we would have heard, oh, America is the, is this, is the country where it, dreams are made you know like the, the streets are paid with gold that kind of thing and then you move and then you're like yeah you know <laughs> like there's racism bigotry and all of these things and and then like for to experience that i think as a teenager i moved as an adult but the move but i think to experience those things as a teenager when you're going through hormonal changes which is something that baby's experiencing too she's going through you know like she's going finding herself sexually and where she's going to be as a, as an adult and finding her her identity and then to have all of that, and then she's meeting Fox, this person I think who's an enigma to her, and he's like unlike anyone that she knows in her in her sphere. And it's like she's caught up to me. She's caught up in this storm of like I don't know what to do, and I, and she just kind of like goes along with um with things that as they happen because she's like I don't want to have to make certain decisions. So she just kind of like tumbles along with Fox, especially in, in particular. I feel like the. Uh how the initial attraction happened to Baby Al Fox because, you know, uh, they were from like broken families. They yeah. realized how vulnerable and how, you know, longing for love they, they both were. I feel like that was very attractive to both of them because it's like, you're broken, I'm broken. Let's, you know, try to be strong together. And uh, in the end, I just feel like Fox served as a strong force for her to, um, be more firm about who she is and uh, be more like confident in cutting her ties with her childhood and girl grow up on her own. Mm. I really, I love how you said that uh, Fox was like an enigma to, to baby. Cause actually I feel like it was the same exact um, 
thing like the reciprocal was the same you know it was the same i think he Mm -hmm. you know he's never seen anyone that's looked like baby i don't think he's ever he's never had someone in his life who persisted in loving him as much as she did so it's like it's like every missing piece that he needed to become a better man she came and and filled for him Mm -hmm. at the same time yeah right i was actually gonna ask you about that because the thing with um with with baby is that she she's she's young she's 17 but she also despite a lot of the confusion that she may may have she does to me seem to have a very um strong personality where she she's kind of forceful in anything that she puts her mind to and she put she put everything she had into pursuing va um, into pursuing fox so so vas could you just tell me a bit about um playing the scenes but both of you and zita can tell me a bit about playing the scenes where you kind of have like these acrimonious moments where you're kind of like you're like fighting with each other but then it kind of like switches tone and so just tell me a bit about playing those scenes in particular um yeah so i think that from the beginning fox and baby were supposed to have like a very symbiotic relationship they're supposed to sort of like be in each other's heads all the time and um you know so it's like all their vulnerabilities they were you know i i i believe that when we love someone we don't just open up you know we we can be with them physically but we also open up parts of our spirit and our our heart to them as well and you know we we feel things that they're going through um sort of like you know through our mind and through our own feelings you know so you have these two people who have never really experienced like like a balanced love and they don't know how to handle each other and they're just like they're just going off of the the whim of their own feelings all the time you know and i you know i i think that zita was she was a very like she was a very like or zita you are a very generous you know actor so when we get to do scenes together you know we're it's it's always like a dialogue it's always a conversation we're always trying to figure out how can we make this feel real how can we get from point a to point b and feel like we've told a story just in this in this one scene and uh you know another another thing that i really loved about you know this film is uh jesse allowed us a lot of you know opportunities to riff and just kind of find it with each other we didn't have to stick to the script uh like it was you know like it was the bible so you know we just kind of went with how we felt and it created like very visceral moments you know it, it felt like we were really in each other's heads at a certain point speaking to that like i feel like our director jesse truly gave my, me and boss like so much trust and support and he would just like you know just fall in love just be kids and just like you know be vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um so for Zidon and to you for as producers when you're working on projects like these especially for um independent films is how do you go about supporting the directors and the creatives like Zito, because I think I imagine one one of your main um, jobs is to like keep them going. Like if like if there's ever moments of doubt or just like to, if they have like um, issues, I think like maybe starting out the story or the path. Like how like what is your process as producers once you've gotten onto the project and you figured out okay this is the direction we're going. This is how it's gonna go. Like what 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 do you do and like how do you go about doing all of that? Mm. Once I get onto a project as producer, I think the my vision should focus on what's the best to do for the project instead of uh, what's the best to do for this this person or that person. 
So like many people will make requests and many people have uh, visions. There are very good visions. Sometimes they come together. Sometimes they're different from each other. But I, as a producer, especially a creative producer, I have to see like, based on my knowledge, what is the best for the project? So uh, a lot of that uh, coming with being fair and being, being very fair and being very, um, very, sometimes you need to be um, very uh, brave to voice your opinion, just mm-hmm. uh, and call out things that you think isn't right when the production or the creativity is going to a, a direction that may be risky mm-hmm. and then pull that back and or at least have a conversation about it. Now always uh, listen to each key crew members wants. Like if if that's safe, if there's something happening, always hear why why you're mentioning it. Like what 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 is the your real want behind this 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 uh, the surface that you're mentioning, and we can figure that out together. And I think that's the very interesting part. And um, being a producer, it's more like. Uh, telling a story, being an artist at the same time, you're also, you know, using the the other side of your brain and being very logical and practical. I think the most uh, important thing is trust. We trust each other. We uh, have our script written, and um, in that in that story, we all have something to say and uh, we have something to express. So I, tr- uh, uh, for example, we trust uh, our director. Uh, we, ha- we have his vision, we have his thoughts about the story and uh, our film. And we just do everything we have to support it. And uh, this story comes out from Zeta. Uh, we have her true emotion in it. That makes us um, keep it, keep this film going. Uh, throughout these scenes, we all can tell that um, the uh, what we think actually makes this film better. So, from production side, we have to uh, get us on the road that we all want to work in. And that's something that is kind of hard to say, but that's what we need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah get everyone united. I think like zero side mm-hmm. is like yeah. um, always trust each other. Get everyone like, I think as long as our hearts are together, then uh, nothing is a real difficult difficulty for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I want to get a bit into the motifs of the film because um, I, to me, there's these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? These visual motifs of that, I, that become um, through lines throughout the film, like for instance, the dead, the dead rat, or, um, or I find that she, that um, baby focuses a lot on the macabre or, or like, you know, like, like death a bit. So I wanted to discuss a bit about that and, and like, what's the symbolism for the rat? Because I, the, I think it's like the film starts out, <laughs> With her playing with this dead rat, and then it switches to a scene of her cooking me. And like when it comes to films, especially horrors, you know, like when you see someone playing with the dead animal, switches to me, it kind of like immediately sets you up, and you're just like, you know what? 
how dark will this film get? <laughs> and so I just <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about the about the dark undertones to the film because it does have to me um it maybe seems to be very fascinated with um things having a dark nature. With no offense to Foss, he kind of does. Um, I I I kind of saw that as one of the things that drew her to him as well. Where she because the first time she sees him, he's like beating someone. And it seems that she is she she's drawn to this dark side of people are just just fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like speaking of the uh, like rats, like pig reference, and even like for fox, you know how his name is named. I feel yeah. like coming down to like animalism, I wanted to uh, emphasize in the story because when I you know when I first moved to the states, I didn't speak English. I couldn't communicate. I feel like that. Um, I guess like animalistic sides of me really came out because I need to, like, like connect with my friends. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was like, you know, thinking in my head, uh, baby can reference like as a cat, like a wounded cat, and uh, you know, it's like her in her little forest, like wandering around, going on different adventures. I think the Red, it just like ties into her cat like personality. Hmm. Like, you know, kind of curious and adventurous, but also like vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She and- has to recognize every animal in this jungle to make his uh, to make her life better. Mm-hmm. It's so, true. Like, you know, say life is a jungle, but it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you know, when I didn't speak English, whenever someone said something to me, all I heard is like, <laughs> it's like I heard it. it feels like they're barking or like yelling, we're just like honking, you know, because I, you know, <laughs> I get it. So when I, yeah. No, I, I get it. Like when I first moved to Toronto, because Toronto is a multicultural um, city, and like you hear people, like I would get on the bus and the train, like I've heard hearing language different languages on the tv is mm-hmm. very different to hearing them in real life actually and it, and like when i for when i got on the bus and i heard started hearing people speaking in tagalog mandarin cantonese um french spanish portuguese you learn uh, you learn to over time you learn to differentiate between the languages but at first it's like a cacophony and your brain is trying to <laughs> process this sound that you're not used to very very true like you know someone could be saying hello but in my head i heard is it's true (laughs) although we didn't understand those languages but we can still feel in those emotions Mm -hmm. and uh, that's something i believe she wants to express by this film i guess you know the brave choice we all made together was translate language into animal sounds Mm. to emphasize you know how foreign she was no, I, I, I get it because like for me, because um, the area that I work, because I work part time at a public school or what did before this pandemic, but like that area is predominantly um, Asian. So there's there's a lot of like Mandarin and Cantonese and Tagalog and Vietnamese and those kind of different languages that we're hearing. And someone once asked me, how are you able to tell the difference, especially between Chinese and Mandarin? I'm like, I can tell the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese because Cantonese always sounds like people are arguing. And Mandarin sounds like people have water in their mouth. And that's how I kind of, I, and I took classes in Mandarin and that was how my teacher explained it to me. She was like, how do you get it? She's like, how do you get this? How are you getting this so easy? I'm like, well, I'm taught, I'm imagining that I'm holding water in my mouth. And she's like, that's exactly it. So I, I get what you, 
<laughs> so I get Fantastic. it. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so like one of the other motifs that like you, you mentioned, the fox, and the where we get the visual cues of the actual literal fox is through cartoons. So I wanted to ask about the choice of using cartoons to like, you, like, because she, she meant you mentioned animals, but I think it was interesting that you use a cartoon to get that, and also um babies has this this thing where she relates to the world through a lens like you like she wants to be a filmmaker but like a lot of her memories some which i again i'm still not sure are real or not are done through a camera whether either she's filming or taking pictures so i wanted to ask you about the concept of babies seeing the world through the lens from yourself as a writer and then from you guys as filmmakers but then also the technicalities of actually filming these scenes because I imagine you have to script out exactly which scenes are going to be done through a camera and then actually film these other actions that we are as the audience will be seeing kind of like not breaking the fourth wall but in like like but you know through separated through like two different lens i'll talk about the motif box and then she can talk about the technical part so i guess in chinese uh it comes to uh goes back to chinese mythology because you know going back there's a saying called a uh, foxy lady who is mm. Which translate to like someone who's extremely sexy will steal your soul, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I, we wanted to reverse the uh, gender stereotype in Baby Don't Cry because in Chinese saying, the Hu Li Jing, the foxy person, is always a woman, but in this story, the foxy person is actually a boy, and uh, when the fox appears, you know, kind of foreshadowing the baby is gonna lose her virginity and. Uh, really you know wakes her uh, like a sexual <laughs> yeah <laughs> sexual you know part of her so yeah that's you know where we landed on the where i landed on the set uh the fox part yeah so as i like you I, said that it just occurred to me so like he's basically kind of the male version of a kitsune or a gumio because in um in, like you know yeah. if in japanese it's the kitsune and in, um in korean mythology it's the gumio with the nine-tailed oh. fox so yeah, yeah. And, like interesting to see Va. So I was like, "This is the first today I know." That yeah, I this is actually the first time I heard of that. I but I always felt weirdly foxy through the whole thing. So that's. <laughs> I think, um, in the end, when Fox tr uh, transformed into a cartoon character, referencing you know like everything happens for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Sometimes some people just meant to be in our life for a period of time to help us grow up. But in the end, we have to carry on this journey. We have to grow up on our own. So in the end, you know, baby realized she needs to leave Seattle. She needs to get on her own by herself. She has to rely on herself truly. So, but, you know, the influence Fox had on her will forever follows her. Mm. Okay. And in this film, we have our screening uh, screens um, represent uh, something like sometimes the high A camera shooting the um, death, death, death scenes to his uh, to her father. Sometimes we have this um, great memories of her um, making a mark of her life. And uh, uh, at the end of the movie, we have this. 2D animation in this film, uh, in this TV, and she walk walk into the room. We uh, at the end of the film, we want this 2D animation from her childhood good memories coming out of the screen, and um, actually making her life better. So this screen screening time 
uh, all through our um, film to make audience feel like, oh, this really makes this girl feeling something that reminds her memory, that bring her to real life and uh, give her the strength to fight with the tough life mm -hmm. and um, getting uh, along with, his, with her father. Mm. I'm very curious how audience would respond to whether Fox is real or not, because that's I think that's one of the reasons you should go watch the movies, because uh, we try to keep it uh, vague. It's like uh, eventually some people uh, think uh, Fox's character Fox is a fantasized person. It's even it's just uh, from her the the footage that he she watched when she was really young, or he is a real person it's kind of like i it's kind of hard to tell so i'm like suggesting audience to watch and i really want to hear how audience feel mm. about do they think he's real or not yeah That's, when we yeah. were making the film yeah this was the question for us as well so we actually opened the mind for everything and uh make everything um put into to, together for this girl this girl baby actually um, feeling like she is experiencing things and our audience can also experience it as well. Yeah, it's definitely an open ending. Yeah, yeah it is. Like, you, like, you're, you're saying that Fox may not be real. The final scene involving the mother, uh -huh. right at, well, the scene that happens right after where she's laying down on the ground, I'm like, hold on, oh wait. <laughs> right, was right. Like, well, was he really there too? Because he kind of disappears the same way her, her mom disappears, or like the 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 tone changes. I was like, hold on, maybe everything isn't made up. Um, but 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 Gio, can you talk a bit about um the technical like like I was saying the technical aspect of filming those scenes? Because it always fascinates me when we have films with characters who are filming things. And like for like for actors like for Vas and Zita, like they have to like kind of like to me almost play like two separate characters because there's the characters that are being filmed by by like each other, and then there's the characters that we the audience see me on the on the main screen. So could you just tell me a bit about the technicality of filming those scenes? Definitely, yeah. Thank you for being so detailed because there are two portions of the high footage. One part is uh, we 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 shot them on set while we were shooting. Uh, while they were acting uh, on camera on the actual digital camera, they were like recording each other, and mm -hmm. we used it in, in the editing. And the other part of the high footage are pre-shoot, like uh, we shot it several days before the actual shoot, and we we have to. It's like a a different setting and we have to like cheat it uh, as as we shot it on the day so um, it depends on the content and yeah um i think i think eventually uh using the the part that is uh, shot on set are definitely like more more authentic and they they were more in, engaged like I can see the vulnerability in both of their eyes and they were like really um, involving with each other, especially for the, uh, the, the, the trip to Seattle. They had a, they had a moment going to uh, Seattle, the market in Seattle and having fun and games over there. And I really like that part. I think that's a, uh, and, and before we didn't, we didn't mean to have that in that part of the film, but we just, because it's so, 
sparkling and brilliant. We just like think, thinking having their just a, a good a good real moment for their relationship. Mm-hmm. So we just added there, yeah. So like I think relying on uh, improvisation is very important for all these high footages and and all the thank for the talent to giving their best and uh, letting it out. Like many scenes are actually improvised on set and many things are even written based on their performance mm. it's really good mm. and Vas in oh sorry go ahead sorry I was- yeah. uh well I, I just had this thought well something something i really wanted to commend you know uh the the production on was i, I feel one thing that i really love uh in movies is like very strong subtext where like you can feel stuff going on off screen based on how the characters are acting you know, on screen and like, like in scenes where like, uh, you know, like Fox would get really mad at baby and she doesn't really know why, you know, if, if, mm-hmm. if, if you were to go through the film and kind of like look at the little details of what's going on, you could actually see like a perfectly legitimate reason uh, why he well not legitimate reason, but his reason for why he would be upset. And like, that's, that's just due to very strong subtext. And that's something that also like, I really, really loved about this script when I read it. I was like, there's so much going on off screen that you can feel happening when these characters are together, you know? I agree, yeah. I, I, that's the reason why I love the script too. It's, it doesn't feed audience too much. So that mm-hmm. give the credits to the audience. Mm-hmm. No, it's true because a lot of um like i was saying like like for majority of the film like i do wonder if like half or even like 60 percent of everything that we're seeing has actually taken place because um something i noticed with baby is that she only has direct interactions with certain characters and then like in these interactions like people around them don't react like the way you would expect them to react so you're so you're thinking is this just a conversation that's taking place in her mind and are these interactions taking place in her mind because like if i see like for instance a fight like i would be like looking around but then other people are just like walking past i'm like okay <laughs> so no one is going to react to this situation like the scenes with the um with this with the other female students at the school when they're being extremely mean to baby everyone is but everyone is reacting like not normal but then i'm thinking but then this could also be a commentary on how prevalent racism is in america too so so that's uh, i wanted to ask about about those scenes in particular where like as you mentioned like they're kind of like ambiguous and being left up to the audience for interpretation mm-hmm. um i guess uh i think that's also going back to you know like how we feel and uh what's truly happening and especially to baby and uh, you know at that tender age she's still trying to figure out who she is she's still trying to make sense of everything so um when maybe like when things just like happen to her but to us it's just like a you know it's like a huge deal but to her you know maybe she's like so used to like living in that kind of environment so she's like gradually you know just like toned out parts mm. of Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of like desensitized there to, to all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it also has to do with you know her upbringing and uh, the environment she's in. I want to talk a bit about baby's relationship with her parents. Mm-hmm. I, her mom is there. Her I, I I still don't know how I feel about her mom because again. <laughs> And this is something that I'm stuck stick on because it, again, because you're not sure if this is real or not. I don't know how to feel about her mom. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. I'm like, this woman is has like moments where she's extremely harsh and mean to baby, but then there's a moments where she's being soft like when she brushes her hair. And it kind of makes you, and, and I'm just like, but is it fair of me to judge a character who might not necessarily be real either? So I just think it's interesting how her parents, and then her dad is just like this, I think a true figment of her imagination because we don't really see him as a real person like we, we again see him through the lens uh, and through her like these uh flashbacks that she has so um just speak a bit about her about first and first casting the actors to play the to play the parents um and then also just like working with them in these scenes because sometimes i always wonder when it comes to scenes that are so harsh like how are they able to the actors able to process like you know being able to say these extremely mean and hurtful things to, to other people yes it's like they're acting but still this is just me i'm just like i would be like afterwards I'd be like no i'm so sorry i didn't mean that <laughs> thank you so much for asking all those questions actually what i was in the casting room when we casted um, mommy and i feel like i don't know maybe this just like connection when i first saw her we did a lot of uh, chemistry tests you know we were not reading the script we were just like you know talking or dating life and uh, very soon I just had this connection with mommy. I guess the mom here is like a metaphor because that this is just not like only to immigrants, to every to everyone, to every teenager. When we grow up, we have to um, go through a phase where we cut the ties with, with our old self and realize, you know, what's not working in our life, realize, you know, what gives us strength and what can, what parts of ourselves we can carry on to the next journey. And I think, you know, at least for me, and I'm, I assume for a lot of uh, people too, you know, during that 17, 18 come of age time, we experience, you know, events where we realize, you know, this is not working. This mm. is not what I want in life. I have to walk away from this, no matter what. I think the mommy here, it, really serves as a metaphor, you know, how tough and, but also how necessary it is to walk away with certain things. We were uh, come up with this idea. We want to give audience a mixed feeling that this girl love his mom, but also hates Mm -hmm. uh, her mom. And um, in that mixed feeling, we actually come up uh, to this, those scenes strictly um, making baby um, uh, no matter hating her or just um, just touch her uh, head with actually real feeling that uh, actually parents want to feel. Hmm. I, I think hate is a little bit strong here. I definitely agree with the love part. I think it's more like it's just, you know, sometimes you realize certain things or certain people in your life are just very emotionally draining mm-hmm. and you're just very frustrated with the situation, but you don't know quite how to walk away from it. Sorry. I was just want to comment on ha- Helen, the, the talent for mother. Mm-hmm. She was giving her 100% and especially for the uh, eating spaghetti or eating noodle scene. And it was really, she really put everything out of herself for that scene. And Mm -hmm. I I was actually, I was away in the production office while we were shooting that scene. And uh, then I heard the conversation 
and I just have to get out. I thought I thought there was an actual big argue and I have mm -hmm. to solve problems. So I had to sit. And then I realized everyone's extremely quiet and just observing her. And everyone was concentrating, just looking at her, eating noodle, that scene. Like that was really amazing. I really, really, really appreciate that she gave her like even willing to let us putting the pig ear, like doing the, you know, the, the cosmetics and everything like that is so different from her, uh, her everyday uh, look, because she looks gorgeous in real life. And I really appreciate she, she sacrificed that for the, for the art and also uh, the performance. It was really great. Something that's always so interesting about, you know, acting is like someone could play a character who's so, vile you know and like someone like like mommy who has like the, the propensity to be so you know like you said harsh but you know the actor is always so different helen is like the like funniest awesomest like person and like mm -hmm. hanging out with her like behind the scenes or like on you know at base camp like she's like she has so many stories and she has such an interesting life and like you could listen to her talk like all day mm -hmm. you know so it's it's always you know i think as far as too you talked about like doing you know hard <laughs> scenes like like uh like uh you know between the between actors you know you, i think it's important that when you do like these really emotional or volatile kind of scenes you know you do have to check in with the person because it's it's about you know it's about the character but we're bringing ourselves to it and we're you know we're, we're still human beings we're, we're absorbent we, re, we retain the words and feelings of others even if it's acting so you know that's i think that comes down to just working with people who you do trust who you respect and you know it's we created an environment where everyone could kind of have the freedom to do those scenes and and you know still feel respected and trusted and at the end of the day have dinner together and laugh and, and enjoy each other you know i think what really helps uh mommy character come through is the vulnerability helen brought into this character because you know i had a lot of conversations with helen because she has two teenage daughters in real life and they were just talking about you know how like, I know it sounds a little bit selfish, but how unwillingly she is to let her daughter's girl, you know, go to college and go to school and grow up. And I just feel like that sensibility is something I really cherish in mommy character because she loves baby. You know, mm -hmm. it just, her husband wasn't in the picture and she's an immigrant herself. She doesn't speak English fully. So she's, you know, she's, like living in this very uh, like traumatic, you know, environment. So I just feel like, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. For the script, we also set it up the environment for mom as um, her husband is gone and uh, she only has her own uh, only daughter around her side and uh, the daughter need to take care of her because her mind is, isn't clear uh, so she just doesn't want her daughter to get away with this environment yeah she I wants think... to hold her as the only thing that she left in the world yeah i think you know it's mother love for sure but also like how like insecure and how um, vulnerable like mommy truly is mm -hmm. When you say vulnerable, it kind of does. I think that's kind of shown literally because there's, I think, quite a bit. They like, probably like four scenes where she's seen laying on the ground, mm -hmm. and you're wondering if she's uh, physically disabled. Mm -hmm. And again, and then so so when you think about baby leaving, 
again, if she is real, it's like baby's leaving her mother in this extremely vulnerable state and there's no one to look after her mom. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you wonder like how to the end of their rope so a character like baby has to be to mm -hmm. like to to take that step and that leap and say, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna pursue my dreams, but I'm also gonna have to take the risk that I'm leaving you in a precarious situation, in a situation you might not be able to get yourself out of. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I find, especially for a lot of um, ethnic cultures, like mm -hmm. we, we, we we're taught from very young to respect our elders and our parents. Sure, and like sure. a lot of our, a lot of our, um, not, I wouldn't say our life, but a lot of our time and effort has to go in to being dedicated to our parents and to looking after our parents. And then when there the comes a time where you, you say no, like they're super shocked. They're like, oh, what? Like, and, and so it's, 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 so it's kind of like that moment for her where, where I imagine where she has, she's fighting against, like, again, like her own cultural heritage sure. and her upbringing to, to yeah. take that step for herself. I, absolutely. I in, like interview like certain like Asian moms and that's, right. you know, when they read the script, they, they, they were like, that's how I felt every time my daughter or my kids leave. The betrayal. I, I just like lay on the ground. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt. It's true. <laughs> We also okay. added more points into the story because the dad uh, was actually the guy who lived this home, mm. sweet home, and making this family uh, a breaking one that yeah. makes baby want to uh, get in a uh, happy time with the dad. Mm -hmm. So in her memories, the dad's um, having fun with him and uh, uh, was the only thing that baby remembers, but not the living that she, uh, he took. Yeah, uh, she also want to memory him by um, by taking um, how to say taking like video the praying for him. Praying. Yeah, mm. to remember. But it's true. I think for kids, especially if. Um, if they're from especially from a difficult home like if the if like for instance like the, the, her dad left so she so she, she created kind of like this um alternate reality and her own perception of him and she's focusing only on the good stuff and she's and her mom is the one that's there and like everything isn't as good at home as it should be so she's seeing the mom in a more negative light than the dad because the dad isn't there for her to to take her frustrations out on which i think is something that is super fascinating that kids do like how kids are able to compartmentalize sure, um, sure. like trauma mm -hmm. thank you so much for bringing that up i feel like that's like that's what i noticed happened in a lot of immigrant family is the dad is always working like in mm -hmm. the way and the mom is sometimes at home doing chores and uh, that created a lot of uh, misunderstanding so we think you know the dad like that is good for, for the, wife, the wife thinks you know my husband doesn't care about me he's just all about making money and the daughter's like why is my mom so frustrated why is she always yelling like dad that is so nice so mm -hmm. I think that's something I really wanted to bring out in baby don't cry right Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah kids the kids only see what they they see from their limited understanding they don't exactly. really get the nuances mm -hmm. yeah. that's a good point because uh, we shot we actually shot uh the footage of that actually uh uh trying to attempted a uh, suicide and and attempted to commit suicide and baby actually uh witnessed that scene but we eventually didn't use it 
that was because uh, yeah because we really I really enjoy the pattern that Zita just mentioned like in the family it's like mom is always bad dad is always good from baby's perspective then dad shouldn't be seen doing something that is so dark and depressed is um, that why she's also so drawn to Fox because he's kind of like a standing for her dad and also because that's I'm thinking that it's, it's yeah. not occurring to me you that got it, you got it <laughs> yeah because because like because I'm, I'm thinking now because she she only sees the mom in a negative light and she sees the dad in a positive light but she but the mom has seen the and experienced the, the the dark side of the dad but fox to me is not i'm thinking about it's kind of like a standing for that where she's kind of like recognizing because like for we as an audience we don't know that like that the dad would have attempted suicide that she sees that but from like the character written she would have seen mm -hmm. that so she the only reference of a dark male character we have in her life is fox now that i'm thinking about it mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i i feel like um you know we end up kind of uh i mean that i i don't know if this is just a theory or if it's or if it's proven but we you know the partners that we that we look for we end up kind of looking for traits uh, of our parents in them because they kind of satisfy that that you know need inside of us uh you know that we had at a young age in a way um and you know i think it's just the, the the most important thing is that you know through their relationship to me you know for fox and baby it's like they just taught each other you know they taught each other how to be um better people and you know i i think whether or not fox was like real i think that he came to like a a certain catharsis at the end where he he did something that was like truly selfless mm. you know and so and baby taught him that so that's that to me is like that's that's the you know that's the most important thing that's the point yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um i think we have to wrap up now but again um just before we go is there anything um that any of you would like to say um about the film and basically a what do you want people to take out of the story? Because I, I like, so because I think so much of it can be left up to interpretation. What's one definitive thing each of you want the audience to take out of the of, out of the film? One thing, definitive. You're just this is it. This is not up for interpretation. No pressure. Did <laughs> yeah. oh. go first, right? Mm. I'll let Dina go first for this one. Okay. <laughs> I got all the pressure on me. I guess one one audience. <laughs> from it is um, remember who you are and uh, always believe in yourself and um, just remember you know who you are and what happened to you in your past shapes who you are don't be ashamed yeah I like that mm -hmm. uh, is it on? Uh, for me um I want, I think audience uh, can take their emotions into this film and think about it, how this goes. And uh, you will find more pieces that you might find in your life. Mm. Oh, wow. um, I think, you know, the to me, uh, I've learned recently the most important thing in, in life is to know what you want. Um, when you know what you want, you can begin yourself on a path uh, to achieving it or, or to, to just just going in, in somewhat in that direction. You know, and I think um, 
if I, yeah, if I'd want anyone to take away any kind of message, it's just like, if you want change, if you want anything in life, you know, you have to know who you are and know that you want it. And then you can begin going for it. To me, it's definitely a, a extremely different film. Like I wouldn't ever imagine that I made a movie that looked like this with a group of talented people. So I would suggest audience just go watch it and find out because it's gonna premiere uh, at Fantasia on August 11th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Just go check it out <laughs> if there's a link. Um, yeah, I think it will be available um, for both virtual and in-person and in-person screenings. And this will be up before, um, I think that, yeah, we'll publish this before it premieres um, for during the festival. But um, thank you so much, all of you, for speaking with me today. Really enjoy this conversation about the film. Um, and like you, and, like there were things that I would I didn't really understand. I'll, I'm fully open to admitting that. But you've helped me to understand so um, to understand certain aspects of the film that I didn't really understand and get. Which is one of the reasons I love speaking to um, film creatives about their films because it gives me more context. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me so much today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Carolyn Talks. For the So Here's What Happened podcast, this has been a discussion with the lead performers and producers of Baby Don't Cry, a film that is premiering at the 2021 Fantasia Film Festival. You can find this film as well as many others on the Fantasia Fest website and you can purchase tickets for virtual screenings if you so like. You can also check out my tweets about the films that I'm watching and on my Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, that's C-A-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. You can find many of my other coverage for um, Fantasia Fest on the ButWhyThePodcast.com site as well as my YouTube channel. You can find more of my film coverage apart from the film festivals on my R3 page under my name, Carolyn Hines, that's H-I-N-D-S. And again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Please, everyone stay safe and have a good day. Ooh.